afterwards this morning. Um, right. Topic is church, um, and uh, but before we get to that, I just wanted to say a couple of things about last Sunday week. You know that we had John and Alison Todd, and um, we had uh, Dave and Reday. Um, somebody actually asked me during the afternoon whether I knew what they were going to do when they came. The answer was very definitely yes. Um, but in fact, we have talked to Dave and I see each other about every six weeks. And uh, I'd heard that he had met this couple called John and Alison. And uh, Dave told me how they'd visited um, the Todds in Bath and had been talking about how um, Mercy in Action was going to take a large part of responsibility for the funding of Bridge Trust, which is the, uh, uh, the organisation which um, provides money from the UK into India and Zambia and other places where historically Dave has had ministry. And... Uh, They've said to me that as they left the Todd's house, just as they were leaving, um, John said to him, he said, could I pray for you? And this was the first point at which John said uh, to him, I can see angels. And so uh, we queued up for that. And over the la uh, last 18 months or so, um, I've heard a bit more and a bit more and a bit more about that. And... Uh, uh, found it really interesting to have those guys with us um, a couple of weeks back. Um, I think the first thing is this, that I'm more convinced of than ever, is that I really respect and... Um, I don't want to use the word envy... Um, but it is words something like that without the negative, sinful kind of connotations of envy. I really respect people who authentically see angels because I know that angels are there, loads of them, many of them, and it's surely, you've surely got to be more in touch with reality if there's something there that you can see and you can see it, and there's something there that you can't, yeah? So uh, that, that's, that's a start. So the angelic thing uh, was, uh, was interesting to me. I will say this, and if it sounds a bit like a grumble, it probably is, that I too was prayed for by John during the day, and I think I was the only person that he didn't say that he saw angels over. Um, <laughs> which is just uh, a little bit worrying. So that was, the, uh, uh, that was the first statement about angels. So, uh, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, the authorised version says, King James Version says, because by it, um, many people have 
uh, entertained angels unawares. I was looking the verse up this morning. It's uh, Hebrews 13.2, so you can, always, uh, you can always get back to it. So that was the thing about angels. I think the interesting thing was that, in fact, the angelic manifestation, the seeing of the angels, was a way in which, for John, prophecy was released. I love the relaxed way he talked about it. I love the fact that he said he didn't know what, what, it was, what it really meant when he said that he saw angels, whether he saw them in his mind, whether there were images of angels, which is why we use the word imagination. And by the way, some people say that's only imagination. Well, you can't say it's only imagination because you can't think about anything without images, right? You can't think about things without imagining them. Whether or not it's uh, um, nuclear fission or somebody you love very much, you have to have an image. You have to use your imagination to, to do that. But I, I thought it was impressive that there were uh, prophetic words that came along and prophetic prayers and that it was stirring stuff up for Re and for uh, Dave as well. Um, just three things to say about uh, prophecy. Number one, we don't want to despise prophecy ever. Okay? Really important that we don't despise prophecy. There's actually a film uh, that's out in the States at the moment called Cessationist, which is still it's brought out by Christian groups who want to believe that the gifts of the Spirit that miracles, that healings, that tongues, uh, that prophecy does not happen today. Well known around John MacArthur and others who are putting that stuff out there. And it's almost as though they haven't got enough culture wars going on and they want to create another culture war within the uh, Christian world. And of course, when, we, when it says to us in 1 Thessalonians 5, I think, don't despise prophecy, uh, it says that because it's easy to despise, right? It really is. You can, uh, um, I find that whatever it is, when people make a, uh, a statement, right, um, like Wendy says to me, oh, um, memory foam mattresses make you very hot, this is a discussion in John Lewis's on Friday night. Okay. I say to her, I said, well, we've got to think about this because you know me. If I find a statement, it is part of my training to make sure I've checked that there are not three others that refute it with better sources. Yeah? I'm always looking at the footnotes. Um, and you can't do that with prophetic words. And... Um, because I want to uh, get on Carol's case later, I won't, use, uh, I won't get her to speak to the mic at the moment, uh, but I just wanted to tell you about something where I have despised prophecy. In fact, a whole bunch of us have despised prophecy over the years. And uh, um, 1992, 1993, some people came to Khan just as we were thinking about getting involved with the little group which was then Dayspring and uh, uh, a guy came and prophesied, it's quite well known within uh, the networks which I mix 
uh, with. But he prophesied over Carol and said a load of things which were patently rubbish, patently untrue, all of which have come to be fulfilled over the years. So that was something where, um, and there's still stuff, actually she mentioned to me during the week um, about something else. She had happened to look at a piece of paper which had her verbatim notes at the time and she said, do you know, he said that and I really wonder whether it's fulfilled in this, which was something else there. So it is easy to despise prophecy. One of the reasons is this, that I don't care how clever you are, how skilled you are, how much background you have, that it is most often impossible to interpret prophecy before it gets fulfilled. In fact, the Bible is a whole story of this. Yeah? And sometimes people think they've got it and it doesn't turn out that way. You know, all that, that prophecy was so clear to us about and thou Bethlehem, right? In predicting where Jesus was going to be born. Did they get it? No, they didn't get it. And sometimes we think that because we, by God's grace, are in touch with him, uh, that we're going to get it. We often don't. The other thing I wanted to say about prophecy, which is useful um, and to understand, is 1 Corinthians 13 says, we know in part, right, and we prophesy in part. And we will not get the full picture until that which is perfect is come. So is that which perfect is come? No. Cessationists would say that was when the uh, canon of scripture was, uh, was finished in AD 33. Uh, uh, no, AD 300. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Long, long, long time ago. About uh, 1700 years ago. Um, no, that wasn't it. That's the world's not perfect, but when Jesus comes back, when he winds up the present system of things, then we will know. So if you received the word and it was for strengthening, for building up, for comfort, which is what 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says is the purpose of prophecy, then... Uh, you need to think about it, to grab hold of it, to see what happens with it, not to assume you've got all of it, okay? Because there's more, there's more to come. And that's a wonder of the prophetic word because as we trust in what God says, it carries within it the ability uh, to perform itself. The prophetic word has within it the power to be performative. And if you want to know who said that to me, it was a guy called Nick Butterworth who writes children's books. You know? uh, anyway, about hedgehogs and things.